Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Lore Sports proudly brings to you the best racing podcast in the world. Now, here's your host, Lauren Leach, the color guy, Mark Allen, the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. Hey, Loose Lug Nation. Welcome to episode number 78 of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. Uh, another shout out to Chris for that uh, intro there that I chuckle about every time uh, something different there. So, uh, Mark, 78. When I think of the 78, first names that come to mind are Steven Schuyler Holzhausen around uh, Wisconsin Short Tracks. Uh, very, very good racers. Uh, how about Bryce Spore out at Wisconsin International Raceway, that 78 uh, sharp-looking machine? And if I'm not mistaken, I think he raced until he was 78 as well. You are correct about that. He raced to his age. So, hey, he was he was old when, he was older than me once when I grew up racing, and he just kept right on going. A lot of miles on that dude. Oh, yeah, for sure. We, we sure do miss him. Uh, how about uh, Truex Jr. when he was with Furniture Row Racing and that 78 won that championship a few years back? Uh, Kurt Busch was in that car before Truex. Regan Smith won the Southern 500 in the Furniture Row 78 one year. Uh, Live Fast Motorsports has it today with BJ McLeod and, and others. Uh, how about Joe Nemechek uh, was in the 78 for a little bit as well. Jim Pascal and Dick Passwater. Never heard of him. <laughs> um, hey, 78, I remember Corey Heim when he was in a super late, super late model, especially down in Winchester, he was number 78. And hey, for you old folks up at Shano, how about Bobby Moss from Tigerton? He was always in a red and white 78 and slinging dirt up at Shano. So otherwise, yeah, that's a, that's a good trivia question. Say who run that? Who first ran that seventy eight car in NASCAR? Because seventy eight wasn't relevant in NASCAR till um, Kurt Busch got in with Furniture Row, and then and then Truex just went and enhanced that whole program. Yeah, I I honestly think when Regan Smith won the Southern Five Hundred, it kind of came onto the map. That was two thousand eleven, maybe, and then Kurt Busch got in there. And I think when Truex got in after Busch. Kurt Busch has rose that program to that point where it just enhanced under Truex, but I think a lot of it is owed to, or was owed to, because now they're they're done, but uh, to Kurt Busch, I, I Kurt believe. Bush, yep, yep, I believe that's true. Yep, Kurt Busch uh, actually got that, got that on the map. Hey, they were out of Denver, Colorado. That's kind of weird being way out there, you know, while everybody's all stationed in Carolina, you know, and they're here, they are all in Colorado, so... Uh, I don't know how they figure out traveling like that. You know, <laughs> it works for them when they're on the West Coast wing. Yeah, it works to their benefit, but <laughs> man, that's a lot of stuff to work on when you're not out there. That's like being Seattle in the NFL. You're way out there all by yourself, you know, so same same kind of deal. Yep, yep, for sure. Uh, hey, let's get into the news right away before we get into our first guest. Excuse me. Big news. Legacy Motor Club, which was previously Petty GMS, is switching to Toyota next year. I did not see this one coming, especially with Jimmy Johnson being a part owner in that and being successful with Hendrick and Chevrolet. Uh, totally caught me off guard there. Yeah, you you text me just like, I can't believe that. I checked in and like, I never in a million years would see like Petty going to Toyota. And they even put some pictures on the internet, you know, with the, the 43 car and, and uh, looks pretty sharp. 
But uh, yeah, that that came from left field. Nobody saw this one coming. And there's one thing that hasn't been talked about. Everyone's saying the same thing, Jimmy. Um, you know, Noah Gregson and Eric Jones were previously with Toyota, so I think that'll be a an easy um, transition to for them. But the one thing that I'm wondering about is there's been this whole big deal about Garage 56, right? Hendrick, NASCAR, Chevy doing this whole thing. And Jimmy Johnson is a major part in it. He's a driver. I'm sure he has his hands in on it, getting information. And now Jimmy, and they haven't done the race. I think the race is in June, uh, that 24-hour Le Mans. So Jimmy is a part of this big program that Chevy just started and Hendrick and all that. But now he's switching to Toyota. So that part, I started thinking about that. I haven't seen it anywhere on the internet. It, I, I started thinking about that. I was like, if I was Chevy, I don't know how I would be feeling about that. We're a month away from the race. Do they make a change? I, I wouldn't think so because Jimmy is so prevalent with Chevy and all that. But uh, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. You know, that was just like Kyle Busch when he was leaving leaving where he was going to, and all of a sudden, how does this, how the dominoes all fell, fall with the, the truck series, you know, and he's um, vehicle owner. So, yeah, this is a brand-new one right here, man. Never saw this one coming. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes. But, uh, yeah, Petty and Toyota, huh? I mean, he's been with every manufacturer down the line. He might as well try Toyota, too. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing that they're talking about is really Richard Petty is kind of more of just a – I don't want to say Justa, but he's more there for support and familiarity, and he's a big name. He's kind of an advocate for the team. Nothing financially, I don't believe he is there, uh, other than being, I think he's president of the board or something. But financially, I'm I'm going to guess he didn't have much of a say there. They say he's on board, but I'm going to guess that this was driven by the people who had financial impacts on it. But when you see the 43, what's the first thing you think of? You see that iconic you know the fonts of that 43 car is still the same to this day you look at that 43 it it instantly makes you think of richard petty and you know he's got his fingers in on it but yeah he's only a um just a, a little bit of a he only gets a little bit of piece of the pie yeah there's bigger bigger things going on there hey money talks man toyota hey you think about that there isn't that many toyota toyota teams out there you know so um I think the resources will be there for Toyota. And hey, we heard a year ago that Toyota said that they were gonna they were going to spread out a little bit and try to be more involved. So yeah, they, they picked up a, they picked up a pretty good team, and we'll see where this goes, man. It's uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And when they announced that, you and I were talking about teams, and I was like, Legacy, no way. You know, you were thinking maybe like a colleague has been Chevy with RCR Alliance, but you know. They're kind of a newer team. They could easily switch uh, Fords too, but uh, Legacy was just one. You know, you think Hendrick, RCR, um, Legacy were probably the three that weren't going to. Trackhouse was maybe a good option with how they're running, but they're they're pretty close with Chevrolet. So really, Legacy Motor Club was down the list on Chevrolet when you think Hendrick, RCR, Trackhouse, colleagues right there with them so they were fourth fifth maybe sixth team in the chevrolet camp so there there you go so now they can be what second in the toyota uh in the chow line there so um yeah so we'll see yeah maybe chevy can only spread itself out so far you know and when you're 
fifth or sixth down down the ladder, maybe you don't get the resources that you possibly can get as your prior team. So it's got to be a plus for them. That's which direction they went. And I'll I'll put them third instead of second because you got Gibbs twenty three eleven and now Legacy Motor Club. Yeah. I'd probably put them third. But big thing for Toyota is now they have eight teams that are going to be on the track in twenty twenty four and beyond. So they added um, some more cars there, and they they kind of needed to. Yep. So yep, Toyota should be happy with that deal. So yep, we'll see where it goes. All right, let's go to the hotline now and bring in our first guest of the evening. Well, we have uh, Quickie Driver Development Program driver, Riley Stengem. Riley, thanks for coming back on the program. How are you doing today? Good. How about you guys? Thanks for having me back on. Hi, Riley. Uh, good to see you, man. Hey, you got a top 10 at Slinger the last time we seen you. How was that? Yeah, it was going all right for the first half or the first two-thirds of the race, and then... Uh... Caution came out there with about 35 to go. We were running in the top five the whole first half, and then uh, car went pretty tight and got kind of used up a little bit and fell back, but we were still able to hold on for a top 10. That was really impressive because that was one of your first times there, and uh, to come home with a, a top 10 finish with all that competition there says something about you and your team. Yeah, for sure. That was actually my first ever feature start in a big car there, so I mean, for, for a while there, at the beginning of the race, we were racing right alongside Steve Apel and racing with Dennis Prunty and guys like that. So to be competitive with guys like them is really a true testament to the people I've got surrounding me. Um, Ty Majeski was there helping me, and he helped us get pretty close. Toby Noodleman, and, uh, as well as my whole team, my dad and everybody, we all work hard. And uh, be able to show up to a place like that and be competitive is really a true test of your team. Absolutely. Hey, I want to talk about the Quickie Driver Development Program. Uh, it's your your second time being a finalist. You were a finalist last year as well. Uh, the only other Wisconsin driver in it this year as a finalist is Levon Vandergeese. So, so no pressure on you guys, right, to hold up uh, Alan Kowicki's, uh legacy here. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of pressure being in that program from Wisconsin for sure. But uh, it's awesome to be a part of it again. Um, I didn't really know if we were going to get back in this year. There was another strong group of semifinalists. So to hear my name announced or see it announced as part of the final seven was really cool. And I can't wait to get into the thick of the year here. I know we're just getting started in Wisconsin, but uh, can't wait to get it going and uh, really build on it from last year. What can you tell us about the process of the uh, KDDP, we'll call it uh, for short? What can you tell us about the process of becoming a finalist? Yeah, so it's kind of changed a little bit over the course of the couple, the couple times I've been a part of it. Um, I've been applying now for probably four or five years. I was a semifinalist twice. But uh, basically, they, there's a written application. It's like a Google form you fill out, and it's usually due right around New Year's every year. And uh, they basically use that as like their, weed, like their process to weed drivers down and weed out drivers that aren't eligible because they only allow drivers that are like late-mile stock drivers, pro-late-mile drivers, late, limited late-mile drivers, super late-mile drivers. So they kind of use that to weed everybody down and pick. And from that, they usually end up, like I believe this year, they had like 54 that were eligible after that, and after their weed out process. Wow. So then from that, the finalists or the panelists, they vote. There's a board of directors, and they vote to select 15 semifinalists. I believe one year it was 21, but usually 15 to 21 semifinalists. And from those semifinalists, all of those get video Zoom interviews with the board of directors that includes Tom Roberts, Thumper, who's from uh, the Milwaukee area, a longtime Kawiki family friend. And throughout those, they do an interview process. It's very similar to a job interview. And uh, 
Then after that, those are all recorded, and everybody on the board watches those. And the board includes people like uh, Paul Andrews, Alan Kowicki's crew chief, um, Tony Gibson, uh, Father Gruba. There's a lot of them that are on the board, and they all get to vote on who is the final seven from those four interviews. And then after that, the final seven gets selected, and they get announced. And everybody in the final seven receives a stipend of $7,777 to a race for the season. And then everybody competes. They take your top 15 feature finishes. And then they also take off-the-track community service and promoting Allen's legacy into account. And the winner of the program, they have a point system, the winner of the program gets seven times that of 54000 and some odd dollars. Hey, Riley, you know... Uh... When we go, when we first get to the event, we always go up and down pit road and we do a pit walk. And when we ever get by you, we can never really get a hold of you because you're so hands on. You're under the car, you're in the trailer, you're running back and forth this way and that way. You really are hands on with your program, aren't you? Yeah, for sure. I uh, I really pride myself in that. Obviously, um, we're a pretty small family team, and we don't really have the means to pay a crew chief to come to the racetrack with us. So we kind of do it all ourselves, and it. I think it's a rewarding feeling, you know, to be that hands-on with your race program, and you kind of know every aspect of it inside and out. And uh, if something goes wrong, it's on you. But also, if something goes right, it's uh, it's pretty cool to see it, the fruits of your labor pay off. And I I really enjoy being hands-on like that. That was a great question, Mark, because uh, I feel the same way. <laughs> we love talking to him, but he's so hands-on. We we don't want to bother him there. So, um, hey, I want to back up a, a few years, Riley, and talk about kind of your first coming into super late models and all that. Back in 2020, you um, sat on the pole at Wisconsin International Raceway your first time there. Not many have done that. Uh, the one that I can think of, and it might be the only one, is Kyle Busch. Uh, just an incredible feat. Uh, for you and your team there. And then the other top moment from, from that year was you had a third place finish at Jefferson. So you had some strong moments there first coming into super late models. Yeah, for sure. So that was kind of a uh, middle ground of kind of where our program's at now. Um, we had kind of been teamed up with Bruce Lee who owned uh, Casey Johnson super late at the start of his career. And that car that we built at the time was the first super late that Casey Johnson ever ran. It was a 08 Pathfinder. Um, so yeah, we planned on, that was the COVID year, so it kind of put a damper into things a little bit, but we had planned on running the full Tundra series and with some funding and some things that happened, we didn't make the first Tundra race. I believe it was at the Dells that year. Then our, uh, our first ever race was, ended up being at our home track Jefferson and we were able to finish third in that and my first ever super late start. So that was really cool. And then we followed it up and struggled a little bit, went to some other Tundra races. Then we went to Kakana at the end of the year as my last race with that team with Bruce and uh, we were able to sit on the pole. So that was pretty cool. Like you said, uh, Connor is a tough track. So to show up there and sit on the pole my first time there was pretty awesome. In 2021, uh, we had you on before the season because you were starting to come into your own there, uh, starting to build a name for yourself. You weren't sure what to uh, expect. You were still pretty green to super late model racing. You go out and win at Marshfield, which a lot of people open their eyes to at that point. Uh, and that was only your second time there. Uh, another just awesome feat for you guys. Yeah, that was pretty cool, too. We uh, kind of dabbled. I mean, we were planning on running the full Tundra Series schedule that year. <laughs> Excuse me. And then, uh, yeah, that was, I believe, my second, third start in a Toby car that we purchased from Time and Jesse and Toby Noodleman. So to go out and win at... Uh, 
Um, Marshfield there was really cool. We had hit the setup really good that day, and the car was on rails. So uh, that was a pretty cool moment. And then we backed that up throughout the year. It was had a really good year throughout the rest of that year. You go out and win the Tundra Super Late Model Championship. Uh, what an accomplished that was. A very steady season for you guys. Uh, it didn't come easy, though. You had to hold off Casey Johnson there at Dells Raceway Park. Yeah, that the Tundra Series, it seems like it always comes down to really tight points battles. I, I think it's just being a short series like that. There's not a lot of room for there to get separation and all the drivers that are chasing the championship. So it pretty much came down to, if I remember correctly, um, I couldn't have a car finish between me and Casey. I believe I was leading by like four or five points going into the feature, and there couldn't be a car that finished between us. Well, we were running. I was pretty much running right behind Casey. I think he was running fourth, and I was running fifth pretty much the whole race or something like that. And uh, caution comes out, or Casey had gotten by Mike Litchfield, so there was a car between us. Like 10 to go, a caution comes out and kind of saved us, and we had a wild restart there. We both kind of started – Rooting and gouging our way through the field. He moved Luke Van House, and I kind of had to do the same to get back through the field and uh, ended up third. Casey ended up second. We, I think we won the championship by like three points. So uh, that was a pretty awesome points battle. I hope we weren't able to back it up last year, but uh, it's pretty cool to win in 2021 against a guy like Casey. Well, you say you weren't able to back it up, but you finished third in points last year, only 47 points back another consistent season and you also were traveling a little bit more tell us about your 2022 season yeah 2022 was kind of a up and down year for us it had some highs and it had a lot of lows um we had a lot of rain outs last year but like i said we were in the Kawiki program last year so we wanted to diversify our schedule a little bit we had ran the full alive for five series the majority of the midwest tour i think we probably ran like we were at seven of the races out of the 10 or so and then uh, we ran the whole Tundra Series again. Uh, the first Life Fire race, we broke rear end in practice. And then we went to Slinger for the first Midwest Tour race, and we uh, broke something in the rear end again in practice. So it was kind of off to a rough start in the year. Then we went and ran the Tour race at Madison at the start of the year last year and uh, finished fifth in that. So that kind of kick-started our season. And then we went to Kakana, I believe, for the Tundra race. And we kind of just – everything that kind of went right for us in the Tundra Series in 2021, it kind of – all kind of came back full circle and the, we didn't have a restart score our way and just had some bad luck throughout the year we finished in the top 10 i think in every race but it just wasn't enough with a short season like that we were racing against justin mondike and the dalton's year gildan team last year so uh just didn't have enough we we had a decent car at the dells at the end of the year in the last race we were third going into it and would have needed a little bit of help to win the championship but uh yeah to come home third still at is a great year and only really our second year in super late so looking to build on that for sure yeah you know you're mentioning those guys uh i'll tell you what that's some stiff competition man that you're going up against hey at slinger we've seen that you uh were donating a door we've seen the uh 77 door if it was upside down it would work real good for lauren i told him he should try to get a door from you if he tips it upside down hey that's for the laughs for kids pledge uh for children's hospital in madison tell us about that yeah, that's something we're continuing this year that we started last year with um, as part of my community engagement that we're trying to get our team involved with. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we're raising money for the Greatest Need Fund at the um, American Family Children's Hospital. Basically, people can pledge an amount for any lap I run in a season. So say I run 1,500 laps in a season and somebody pledges $1 per lap, they'd be donating $1,500. Or if you do it $0.10, cents, you'd be donating $150. 
So we're trying to do that and try to tie our on-track performance to something off the track and uh, give our fans a way to something to keep track of and uh, try to help a great cause like that. And with our door raffle, um, to try to kickstart the season, anybody that signs up before the end of May, they're going to be in a raffle drawing for that door off of our car last year at this point, or from our car last year. That's so awesome, man. Uh, you you were doing some good charity work there and continued to do so. Uh, it's funny that Mark said, yeah, Mark pointed that out to me and said, hey, that 77 upside down would be LL, so maybe you should uh, get on on that. So uh, we'll we'll look into it. Uh, speaking of that, do you know how many laps you ran last year and, and how much that would equal out for some so, people? Um, we did it off of 2021 because last year with all the rainouts, we didn't have a ton of laps. I believe it was right around 1,500 laps in 2021 we ran, and we figured that would be pretty close to this year. So that's kind of the estimate we put out for people. Awesome. Uh, hey, you have a great-looking pro-late model, an iconic uh, paint scheme, that Hardy's paint scheme of Alan Kowicki uh, you put on there. What went into choosing that scheme for that pro-late model? Yeah, so that was a car um, – that was part of the reason we ran our super-late so much last year with uh, – um, supply chain shortage we we had bought a car from the quapples and uh it was another so we could add another toby car to our stable and, uh, we were planning to make it into our prolate well long story short there was a supply chain issue and we didn't get our crate motor till like the middle of the summer and we had already been racing a ton and it kind of got to the point where we were just putting it together throughout the year when we had a time between our super late races and we had got it done for the end of the year and we wanted to do kind of a, we were going to take it to Oktoberfest, and uh, we had a special scheme we that was kind of Alan's short track scheme back in the ASA Slinger short track days in the 80s. And I thought that was a pretty cool scheme, and I wanted to do something to try to promote Alan's legacy as a part of the program. And we were going to take the car to Oktoberfest, and uh, we were testing the day before we were going to leave, and the motor blew up in it. So we're planning on just – we said, well, the car's wrapped, so hopefully um, we'll get back in the program this year, and it'll be a great way to run that car this year. So we're just finishing that car up now and hoping to get that back out this year. Do you have any uh, ideas of where you would possibly race that car? Yeah, we're planning on hitting a lot of double feature events with that car. It's kind of our main goal. Um, obviously, as you guys know and have heard, super late model racing isn't cheap to do. And uh, go race a late model is a little bit more economical and budget friendly, and we'll be able to get a lot more races in with it. So we're kind of backing down the quantity of our super late races. We're probably going to run 10 to 15 of those this year. And then with that late model, we're going to primarily, like I said, focus on double feature events because they count for two events in the Kawiki program. So we're going to run, uh, try to run the full Madison schedule because that's all double features pretty much. It's like six nights, and I think five of them are double feature nights. Then we're going to hit lacrosse, all the double feature nights there, try to hit all those with their NASCAR late models. And then uh, our first race will probably be Jefferson next week, and we were trying to make it this weekend. We just got another motor picked up earlier this week. But uh, I'm not sure that we're going to make Jefferson this weekend. So probably hit Jefferson throughout um, between some of those other double feature races we're doing. You uh, have become good friends with Derek Krause and Ty Majeski among uh, the few here. We're going to have Ty on later in the program. And you help them when you're able to. You're also going to school or uh, school for mechanical engineering. Is that something you would like to do more of, like crew chief, help out other teams in the future? Obviously, you want to focus on your driving career for as long as uh, you're able to, but is that something in the future for you, possibly? Yeah, I really like doing that. Uh, me, like you said, me and Ty and Derek have all kind of become pretty good friends, and I go help them when I can. I was with Derek at Snowball Derby in the first Stars race at Madison, or at uh, Pensacola, and then I'm going to help Derek at the Stars race this weekend at Madison. 
and then Ty, I've been to the snowball in Berlin with him last year and things like that. So yeah, I like doing that. I think it's a good way. Like I've heard a lot of people say, and I, I believe it. Anytime you're on a racetrack, you can learn something. And if you're helping your friends all along the way, that's awesome. And it's great networking opportunities, great way to learn stuff. And uh, yeah, I've kind of grown. I love setting up race cars. It's probably my favorite part of working on them. I don't necessarily like fixing them when they're wrecked. I like doing the setup and the shocks and the springs and the bump stops. And so, yeah, I, I think I could see myself doing that in the future at some point, whether that's just at the short track level or if it's something more or life changes, I'm not really sure. But uh, yeah, I really like doing that. Hey, we're going to be running around the pits in Madison on Sunday. Are you going to be down there helping somebody? Are we going to run into you? Yeah, so uh, I was hoping to race it this year. Um, we finished fifth in that race last year, and obviously it's just a huge event this year. But uh, with the rules changes, we run a 5-3 motor in our super late. And against when they put the four barrels on all the big motors, we're going to be down on horsepower. So we decided against going, but uh, I'm going to be spotting for Derek Cross this weekend. So looking forward to that. What does your uh, schedule look like this year as far as running for the super late model and, and maybe that pro late model? Yeah, so like I touched on earlier, we're kind of backing down on the quality or quantity of super late model events. And we're going to focus primarily on the Midwest Tour. Um, there's two stars events on the Midwest Tour, the national tour that we're not going to be able to run unless we come up with a different motor combination for that later event at Kakana. So we're going to run, I believe it's nine out of the 12 Midwest Tour events that aren't the Stars events, and I'm not sure that we're going to run Milwaukee either. And then uh, we're going to hit the Allen Kowicki Memorial at Slinger, the Alive for Five race at Madison, possibly some other Alive for Five races, probably not, and then uh, all the specials at Oktoberfest at the end of the year. And then our late model, like I said, we're going to run the six nights at Madison, our plan is. I believe it's four double feature nights at Lacrosse, and then uh, fill in wherever we can at Jefferson or some other races throughout the year. Uh, what sponsors are on that uh, 77 machine and the 28 machine, Riley? Yeah, I've got a lot of people that help me out. The super late model stuff, that uh, takes an army of people to do it, and uh, I couldn't do it without a lot of the people I have supporting me. Um, first and foremost, the Kawiki Driver Development Program. Um, they're a huge supporter of us financially and getting our name out there. And then I've got a lot of people that have been with me for a long time. Screaming Norwegian, House Contractors, Hogan Farms, who you see on a lot of race cars across the Midwest. They're awesome racing supporters. Direct Networks, Kurt Swelding, Utica Bar, Ground Heating and Air Conditioning, Comfort Maker, Link Feed North, D&D Olson Farms, Deerfield Pistol, Gullickson Trucking, Stenchum Construction, Dialed In Digital, Two Sisters Incorporated, Phillips Graphics, Performance Parts Supply, Left-Hander Chassis, Toby Race Products, Weir's Machine, and FRS Shocks. So, yeah, I've got a lot of people that support me, and I definitely couldn't do without them. Well, we always enjoy running into you and talking to you, man. We appreciate the time. Look forward to running down into uh, at Madison and maybe uh, talking to you a little bit. Uh, I know you'll be wrenching on Derek's car a little bit probably too, so hope to run into you. Thanks again for the time, and we look forward to touching base again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. See you guys this weekend. Thanks, Riley. Good luck, man. Thank you. Oh, man, it was so great to hear from from Riley there, a guy we had on two years back when he was first starting to make his name in Super Late Models. He's accomplished a lot since then. We talked about a few wins. Uh, Chandra, a Super Late Model champion that opened some eyes. Really nice uh, guy to talk to and have him on. Yeah, for sure. You Like we always see him, he's always moving around, you know, and, hey, he's got Ty and Derek helping him out, man. Um, boy, um, 
good young talent coming up, man. Probably expecting some more wins out of him coming up this year. We'll see. And, and you brought this to the forefront in the interview, hands-on, so mechanical. Um, that is really huge, I believe, and it's it's cool to see how much hands-on he actually is. Yeah. So, hey, and I always I always believe that – if you know every part and component of your race car, you know that uh, that's more of a bonus for you to uh, perform. So, yep, we see Riley going running around all the time. So, we'll be cheering him on. Hey, he got a tenth at Slinger for the first time. That's that's impressive. That's very impressive. Oh, super impressive, especially with that lineup down there. I mean, it was the who's who of of short track racing, pretty much. Yeah, that's and Slinger's its own animal down there. So good for him, for sure. Well, let's get into uh, Dover. We're going to have Ty Majeski on later in the show after we get uh, done talking about Dover. Uh, Xfinity Series and Cup Series, no truck series this weekend. Uh, early on in Stage 1, Jeremy Clements goes around. And then Ellis has a save like Clements because Clements was really kind of a spin-save type situation. Uh, but Ellis does not get the caution. Uh, then Alfredo stops just before the comp caution was going to come out. A brake rotor exploded and punctured his tire. Parts of that rotor hit some media members on the other side of the fence on the backstretch. Uh, Creed also had a hole in his nose from the uh, parts flying. And then Allgaier was speeding on pit road there. So a lot to digest in that little <laughs> section. That brake was hot. Did you see that brake rotor that was laid on the track? That thing was just sizzling. But, yeah, that really messed up Creed's front end, man. He hit that, and um, <laughs> it made a challenging day more for him. Yeah, and he was running so well uh, leading uh, prior to that. Uh, unfortunate that he got that damage there. He ran uh, pretty good after that, too, but uh, you wonder how much damage that did and where he could have been after that. Yeah, that's for sure. So, Otherwise, yeah, then the 7 and the 98, Allgaier and uh, Herbst both got busted for speeding. And, you know, it's only a 200-lap race at Dover. That goes pretty fast. And track position is everything there. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan Truex would win the stage over Nemechek, Creed, Hill, Barry, Jones, Sammy Smith, Custer, Hemrick, and Chandler Smith. In stage two, uh, or actually during that, Herbst and Retzloff were speeding. Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, that uh, Ryan Truex, there's no junior behind his name, right? Because they made all kinds of mistakes. As they kept saying junior, and he's not a junior. That is so easy to do, though, when you're used to saying Truex Jr., and then there's not like, it's just a natural flow, Truex Jr. But I did chuckle at uh, Josh was having some of the problems on the broadcast there. But, yes, uh, he, yes, he was. Yep. So. <laughs> Uh, Ryan made a shirt about that uh, a few years back when people were struggling with that. So maybe we'll see that creep back in. Hey, he's got the Truex talent, though, man. So, um, yeah, he won that first stage and looked like the dude to beat right then and there. Yep. Uh, as I mentioned, Herbst and Retzloff speeding under that caution. Also, Herbst had some damage to the roof, uh, roof hatch. They went to tape it down, but NASCAR made them cut the tape off of it. Safety issue uh, right there. Yeah, I guess you need the flaps at Dover, but uh, yeah, you can't mess with them flaps. They got to be working. Yep. Uh, Jones was super loose into turn one. He almost got up into the wall, almost looked like Slinger qualifying when they went out. It was so cold that they 
all flew up near the wall because the tires went grip. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, drive the right front into the hill, and it just don't it just don't want to turn to get some heat into it. So, yep. <laughs> uh, Heim would get into the left rear of Kligerman, and Kligerman nails the inside wall. Uh, Kligerman would tell Heim he's number one. Again, yes, the old number one sign shows up again. <laughs> it's getting to be a regular regular thing there on uh, Xfinity Series. I know a little bit of sign language, but that one is universal. Well, everybody knows that one. It's it's <laughs> nice to show that you're number one. <laughs> uh, Truex would sweep the stages over Hill, Nemechek, Elgire, Custer, Chandler Smith, Creed, Sammy Smith, Mayer, and Barry. See, all guy are already back to fourth after that penalty. So that showed just how much that he knows how to get around that Dover track. Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately for Kraus, he was speeding on the last green flag stop, and Herbst also was speeding late there. That's speeding, man. That just ruins your whole day. The, the later you do it in the race, the more it affects your finish. Absolutely. Uh, how about this? Ryan Truex would win the race over Barry, Elgar, Hill, Nemechek, Sammy Smith, Custer, Jones, Mayer, and Hemrick. The dash for cash winner would be Cole Custer. He goes back-to-back -back in that fashion. Ka-ching, ka-ching. So there's 200000 for their bank account. So, yeah, good for him. And Truex, man, he's been through everything trying to make his way in racing. Uh, feel good story there that Ryan Truex takes the win at Dover, and it's kind of his home home track. Yeah, they're from New Jersey, so yeah, just like you just was. I, I'm sure his crew chief was like, "Stay calm, keep level headed, you know, and and follow through with it." Always with your first win, you know, you just like, "How are you gonna? How are you gonna get? Uh, let this get away on you?" But that car was the fastest car of the day, and that's the one that won the race. Yes, it was for sure. Uh, let's go into the Cup Series at Dover. Unfortunately, it did not run Sunday. It got delayed to Monday due to weather. Uh, we kind of saw that one coming. Dover has a way of running on Mondays, uh, it seems like, more than other tracks. And then they line them up with this this metrics, this metric thing that they they came up with back in during the pandemic, and they still follow through with that. So when Talladega's got all these different cars and everything, so when you go to the next racetrack, you have so uh, not so my one, you know, not so stout cars up front, and it's a whole mixed bag. So you know that uh, that race is going to have comers and goers, you know, and there was no practice or anything like that. So they had to throw a quick comp caution out there. And um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. I'm not a fan of the metrics, man. Yeah. There's a few factors that, that go into that metric, the finish from the last race, uh, some other things. I know we said it at one point when they first came out with it, but uh, interesting how they set the field there. You mentioned the comp caution that came at lap 20, uh, under that caution, Barry and Byron would make contact, and Barry's filling in for Alex Bowman. We spoke about that on the last podcast. Um, so they make some contact on pit road, and it was decent contact. Uh, and then also Kyle Busch was leading at that point. Here comes the uh, cherries and berries, right, speeding on pit road. <laughs> Once again, and this time it really actually hurt him a lot to go back to where he going into the back. Um, Kyle had the car and, uh, yeah, put him in the back and you end up in somebody else's mess. Yeah. 
Uh, Gregson goes around and slaps the wall. Looks like he has a broken toe link. Hard to tell if he had it before that spin or not. Um, boy, Byron beat Brad so bad on the, on that restart, even though Brad was the leader and was in the preferred lane. Turns out that Byron was in first gear. Let me tell you something about that. We have tried – now, this is not with the newer car. I haven't been on in the last few years very much. In the old car, you would debate if you are going to start in first or second. You start in first gear on iRacing at tracks like this, you're spinning out. So when yeah. I heard that, it brought me back to those days. Pretty incredible at the launch he got in first gear and how stable it was. Depends what kind of gear they got in it, though, dude. So maybe something yeah. that uh, maybe something's internally there that we don't know about that he maybe used the first gear, but yeah, it took off like a jackrabbit when that restart happened. Yeah, I believe Hamlin, who restarted third, was also in first gear. So Brad quickly went back to third. So they might be putting a different gear ratio in there to make that work. Yeah. Uh, Suarez gets into the wall and goes around out of turn four again. Uh, McLeod, Dylan have trouble in the back after Bush got into Dylan. There we're talking about that speeding penalty. That's where it really comes into play. Dylan would nail the inside wall with the rear of the car. I mean, no, either he lost brakes or wasn't on the brakes because that thing walloped that inside wall. I mean, it yeah, was crushed. He, he clobbered the wall. And how about that in car uh, with Harvick? You know, all you can do is just hold your breath. You can't slam on the brakes because you know you're going to get tagged in the back. So you just like hope that it clears and all of a sudden the 99 shot across the bow and uh, Harvick got through that. Well, that was a close call. Yeah, lift off the gas just slightly and hope you make it through and no one piles into you. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, you can't slam on the anchors because you're going to end up getting run over from behind. So you just kind of like, oh, you just kind of, you know, I, I'm sure you feathered the gas, but you can't slam on the brakes. And, and yeah, good job for a Harvick, man. All of a sudden, the, the, the sea parted for him. And that slight twitch to the right uh, was key as well. He did just enough. Uh, that's because someone was to his outside. It it just worked out for him. Yeah, that's amazing. So luck's on your side, you know. Guy with bad luck, he pile right into that. So that's where you that's that's where you get the luck. Some guys get the luck to get through there, and some guys don't. <laughs> uh, Chastain went three wide on a couple of the starts already. Uh, very aggressive. It was kind of impressive there, but unfortunately, Chastain would get into pool later in the run, who spins and collects Larson who may have been the best car at that point. Larson and Poole were not happy at all that this happened, especially this early. Chastain obviously didn't mean to do that, but how many times can you say that? Um, he said that a few times. And then under caution, Chastain and Reddick take two tires. Bush didn't stop. Uh, eventually, he thought he had a tire go down and goes a lap down with two laps left. Larson would run a few laps, but he had to go to the garage. So um, I know I went into a few of the racing uh, incidents after that one there. But uh, Chastain, there's a picture out there that actually looks like Brennan Poole was off the gas. The fire was shooting out of the pipes. So maybe he let off early. Um, but uh, obviously Larson and, and Poole not happy with Chastain. <laughs> yeah. And they're for, you know, even Rusty Wallace said, you know, I just can't, I can't give him a pass on that. You know, he could have did a better job and, they were critical about him up in the booth. Um, yeah, yeah, he uh, he hit him, and then he apologizes, and then he'll be a good boy for another two weeks, and then all of a sudden, 
you find out that he's in it again. But guess what? He's an aggressive driver. And I, I, if I was a car owner, I wouldn't pull the reins on. Hey, man, keep doing what you're doing, you know, and, and let the cards fall where they may. I wouldn't defuse him at all. That's exactly how I stand. I wouldn't want to want to do that either. I'd, I'd let him go and, and let him figure it out and keep doing what he's doing because it's working. But that was an interesting photo I saw today just before I got on here with you. And the fire shooting out pretty early there before going into the corner. So it's hard to say when you're not in that situation, you're not in the car, you're not a part of the accident. How can you 100% say? But um, obviously, Larson's going to be unhappy regardless of what happened. And unfortunately, for the 15 too. Yeah, Larson was not happy at all. And, you know, he didn't realize, I don't think, right away that it happened until all of a sudden you see the 15 come shooting up across across the apron and up and right in front of him. And whammo! And yeah, that was... Um, Larson still finished the race, though. He was 31 laps down. He must have got fast enough to get around there, but something wasn't right, and they went in and straightened the wheels on it, and he uh, he finished, but uh, he was well done. Oh, yeah, and he... Uh, he did something a little bit later on. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk about the third stage one what he got involved with. Absolutely, uh, Byron would win the first stage over Hamlin, Blaney, Brad Kozlowski, Chastain, Busher, Bell, Harvick, Truex Jr., and Stenhouse. And one of the key moments there, coming back to line, is Austin Dillon passes his teammate Bush, uh, Kyle Bush, at the line for the free pass. There, that was close. That was close, but he got him on the outside. Kyle was really struggling right then and there. And you know, uh, Logano and Bell—they were uh, all of a sudden their their tires were corded. You know, it's just like like, all of a sudden these tires just held up for just so long, and then all of a sudden, like the tires just like I'm not going to take this anymore. And uh, that's why them two fell off at the end of the stage there. Yeah, it was interesting with Logano because obviously he struggled with those issues. Uh, Cindric struggled all day, but Blaney was in the top five all day long. So that was, I'm sure they'll go and look, would see what Blaney uh, did differently or his team did differently with that car because uh, he was the best of the bunch by far. Well, yeah, they say Roush just doesn't get around there. You know, back in the Penske. back in the day, oh, Penske, you know, those back with Roush was running back in that day and they always dominated Dover, you know, and then all of a sudden you come along with, with Penske. And uh, they just can't seem to figure it out. So finally, hey, they might have a car that actually's got a setup in it where they can, they can learn off of that and they can move on. So, but uh, yeah, Logano just had a terrific day on Sunday. Wow. Yeah. Uh, during that pit that pit cycle, one of Brad's tires bounces off the wall and stops right in front of his car. He had no clue, so he leaves his box and the tire bounces away. Uh, it ends up behind pit wall where where it would belong, but uh, unfortunately for him, that qualifies as an uncontrolled tire. That was an interesting thing there because he had no idea where it was. It ended up where it belonged, but you just can't have that situation happen. It did a Yui and went right into the right behind the wall, right where it should have been. It's just like it, it had a mind of its own. But uh, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't on Brad. You know, go take off and that tire. Uh, the pit crew, and then they asked Larry Mack, "Does that? Do you think that's a penalty?" And by far, that was a uncontrolled tire, so that was that was a penalty there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Denny got frustrated with his teammate Bell because he couldn't get around him. Um, 
But I think it was more frustration with his pit crew at that point, letting him down because he was up at the front and he lost a bunch of positions on multiple pit stops early. They, they had a terrible day, man. That was, uh, I'm sure they had a good meeting on Monday morning about all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. And then James Small and Martin Truex Jr., I have in here, are they going to last? Because this is multiple times, multiple years on the radio that you hear them just be so frustrated with each other that it's uh, it just doesn't sound great at all. No, no, it don't. Boy, they sure get into a chew in the rag during the race, man. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, Chastain would win the second stage over Byron, Blaney, Truex, Hamlin, Gibbs, Busher, Reddick, Elliott, and Bell. Yep, so the one in the 24 were up front was, hey, with Blaney running there and then Truex, you know, so the, the, all the fast cars were up at, at the front after the second stage. Yep. Uh, <laughs> this had me laughing really hard. Uh, Chastain's pit crew had a TV set up that they would uh, be doing there on pit road there, messing with Jamie Little, and they even had, like, the little stand of light there with the camera and everything that they made out that was uh they were enjoying themselves for sure oh well while they were doing that i was wondering all of a sudden chastain says oh i'm coming in and just watch everybody just drop everything you know you get caught with your pants down so but uh yeah it was comical they had a little extra time on their hands there hey and they also got some sponsorship deal and get some tv time so even the crew have found a way to get some tv time absolutely uh can't hurt and it was awesome uh, hey, how about Burton spinning on pit road? And he actually had to go the wrong way because he spun and he was kind of perpendicular there blocking pit road during pit road cycles. Um, he had to go wrong way as a car came down the right way. No caution. Uh, Truex would pass Chastain by pitting two laps prior there as well. But, yeah, I thought a caution was going to be there. And, uh, um, yeah, NASCAR held the, held the caution flag and they didn't throw it. I don't know with that car coming down pit road. I didn't see who that was coming down, but all of a sudden you see a car coming at you. I have to think that's a little bit of a shock there. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's that's one of the toughest pit roads to get on, man. Dover's yeah. a tough one. That is very tough. Uh, Gibbs was told that he was seven laps short on fuel somehow. They obviously did not get it full because they should have been good. Uh, he was running inside the top five and having a very good day at that point. He's he's gotten all kinds of good finishes, but to finish, he had to lay off the gas, and he even got lapped. He was off the gas so much, you know. But uh, yeah, too bad for him. He didn't have enough gas. I think he finished like twelfth or something like that. But he was up there running, and I'll tell you what, I have a feeling that kid's going to get a win this year. Um, they were talking about. It seems like they're trying to hold him back a little bit, you know. Um, that was their observation from the tower. Um, <laughs> that kid's, the kid's going to win some races, man. Just let him go and see what happens. He had a string of top 10 finishes until this week, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that he is just putting together some steady races here. He's definitely one to watch. I, I have my eye on him going forward. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, once when Truex, Truex got out front, you know, and boy, what, what a difference about clean air and dirty air. There, I mean, it was so obvious to see the difference between clean air and dirty air. That was a uh, textbook right there. Yeah. You know, um, and in here I'll mention something that you mentioned earlier. Uh was shaping up for a good finish between Chastain and Truex, but Larson was giving Chastain a hard time 
due to the earlier incident. Uh, Chastain closes back in, but then Gibbs blocks for his teammate. So he got around Larson. He closed back in under a half a second, then runs into Gibbs, who Truex just passed. And, and it was obvious what Gibbs was doing there because he was short on fuel. So he was going to try to get uh, Truex the win there. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't like that. I have in my notes here, maybe this is kind of rough, but it was getting kind of stupid with Larson doing his whole deal. And then a teammate blocking for another teammate. I just didn't like it. I guess I understand it, but didn't like it. Yeah. But, uh, Larson, you know, and he pulled that off, you know, and he, um, yeah, Chastain lost like 1.4 seconds, fell back, and within five laps, bang, he was right back up to Truex again because Truex was just having such a hard time with, with traffic, man. Um, so, but, yeah, the 54 being in a Toyota, you know, trying to help his teammate out also. Little games they were playing. Yeah. Uh, Logano spins and wrecks hard with 14 to go. Did he have a tire down engine? There was flames coming up. What happened there? He was having an abysmal day, as we just talked about, and that ended it. That ended it. But, yeah, I saw fire there, and they were talking tire. And uh, they said that maybe the right front took off, and there was rubber up underneath there. But I, there was a lot of fire there. I didn't know if the engine or if it was a tire. Don't know what that was. Yeah. Uh, Truex, who was the leader, Blaney, who was running third, and Bell, who was in the top ten, take two tires and would come up first, second, and third. Chastain took four tires and come up, uh, came up fourth. I thought that was going to be the right call. But clean air, clean air uh, dominated that. Isn't it amazing about clean air and the two tires? And finally Truex took off. Yeah, I thought that was the call too with four tires. It was amazing that Truex could hold them off, but the clean air is what uh, got him the victory. Yeah, two tires and Truex prevail. For the first time in 54 races, Truex gets a win. Uh, that's a long time for him to go without winning. Uh, almost unfathomable that it was 54 races. You know, if that would have went a little bit further, Byron might have been a factor because he had a short run car. He could actually really lay the laps down on a short short run, but the more the run went on, that that car fell off. Um, yeah, good to see Blaney get a top three. Um, almost, man. I'll tell you what, him in the 19 with Truex, that was a hell of a race, and. Whoever would have got that position would have won that race, and Truex prevailed over over the 12 car. Yeah. Uh, how about a Truex family sweep? Because we just talked about Ryan Truex winning too. So it was a uh, Truex, I, I guess I'll say weekend, even though the Cup Series was on Monday. Yeah, but, yeah, Truex, double Truex. So good for them. Good for them. They're, they're, good, they're good guys, good racers, and, Hey, practically their home track, you know, so good for them. Yep, Truex is back in winner's circle. Yep. And remember, last year he was fourth in points, fourth. Uh, but due to not winning, he missed the playoffs. So uh, he should be in this year. Good for him to get back in. Uh, you know, also, Martin has won a few times on Monday at Dover. We just talked about it going to Monday a few times. So he's won a few times on, on Monday there. So interesting. Uh, Chastain would finish second, Blaney, Byron, Hamlin, Bell, Reddick, Brad, Busher, and Barry, the top 10. Barry, Barry gets another top 10, you know, yep, running the 48 car for Bowman. So, um, yep, that's a good, good finish, good race. Dover's done. Uh, I'm still glad there's only one race there. Remember, they used to have two races. 
eh, you can get a lot of green flag racing at Dover, but uh, all in all, good good event, and uh, yeah, we'll move on to Kansas now. Yep, absolutely. Uh, well, Mark, before we get into our picks for Kansas, the Xfinity Series will be off. It'll be the Trucks and, and Cup Series down in Kansas. Let's talk to uh, Ty Majeski now. All right, let's do that. Let's do it. We're talking to Craftsman Truck Leader, Points Leader, I should say, Ty Majeski. Ty, thanks for coming back on. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, doing well. How are you guys doing? Pretty good there, Ty. Where, where are you at these days? Uh, you're all over the place, man. That's why I always ask you, where are you at today? Well, we got to go back to uh, Texas to recap a little bit. Uh, you finished fourth in stage one, uh, but get, ended up getting into the wallet of uh, turn four there in stage two. How bad was that damage? Uh, it was uh, it was pretty bad. I mean, it, it, uh, it actually cut our right front tire down. Um, so we, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. We had to kind of make a wicker. I was kind of hanging on because we didn't want to lose a lap. So. I was hanging on there after we fixed that damage and pitted. Obviously, lost all our track position. Um, and once that next that next stage end came, I was able to uh, able to get some of the damage fixed and um, drive back to the field. We had a, a really good truck. Uh, unfortunately, only a fourth place finish to show for it, but that was probably one of the stronger trucks that we had all year. Yeah, it looked again like Texas. That high groove was just super slick. Uh, which has been normal there, especially in turn two. It just looks pretty, pretty bad up there. Yeah, it's uh, it's body. Uh, they didn't lay any of the PJ one down uh, because because the Indy car was there. So, um, so it, yeah, it's hit or miss. It depends on what uh, if we go there in the fall or the spring. If you go there in the fall with NASCAR, they'll lay all that stuff down. So it's just. <laughs> Yeah, you never know what you're going to get at Texas. Uh, it's a shame they, they really ruined that racetrack, um, unfortunately, when they repaved it. So it just uh, hasn't ever been the same since they did that. And it's always just been sort of a, a one-groove racetrack, whether they spray the top, then everyone just sits in the second groove and you can't pass, or it's just around the bottom and you still can't pass. So um, I don't, just don't think they've found the right formula for that racetrack yet. You fought hard and come back to uh, finish fourth there, like you said. That big incident for the lead happened just in front of you, though. Yeah, um, obviously, uh, at the end of these races, it's so hard to win. It gets pretty aggressive, and, um, you know, we got some guys with super, super fast trucks that don't have a ton of experience uh, with the air yet, and I think that was a little bit of a result of that. So, uh, obviously, Sanchez is a really good kid super talented um just you know tried to side draft uh, the 38 got himself out of shape uh in the trioval which is very easy to do and uh, allowed the 42 to sort of get a run on on both of them and uh the 42 obviously wasn't gonna lift so that's um pretty standard with him you, you know you're you know you're never really gonna get caught you know get get uh get given a break when when he's behind you so you just gotta know that and be mindful of that and um and race him accordingly hey after that first stage you know they don't have no live pit stops there they give you time to work on the vehicle hey they went under the hood man and looked like they put some hoses to it were you overheating at that time 
Uh, we always do that just to keep it cool. Um, no, we weren't, we weren't overheating or anything. We just do that. The motor always runs better when it's cooler, more horsepower. So it's just uh, something that Joe likes to do when we have control cautions. Uh, going to, into Bristol then, second place for, for most of the night. An awesome run, but uh, as the saying goes, second sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a really solid night for us. Um, you know, Dick and Rhonda deserve to be in victory lane week in and week out, so as long as we can provide that for them, uh, it's mission accomplished. Obviously, a really good points day. A lot of our competitors, guys who were racing with in points, had uh, had uh, subpar days, so overall it was a really, really good points day for us. So I'm uh, just happy we were able to bring that sword back home to uh, victory lane. That was I think three Bristol wins in a row now for Thor Sport, uh, two on the dirt, and then uh, obviously my concrete win uh, last uh, last fall. So uh, pretty cool to have three in a row, and hopefully we can uh, hopefully we can make it four uh, this coming September. Absolutely, man. Uh, hey, what was it like having Joey Logano as a teammate? And uh, uh, question to back off of that: any discussion with the Penske teammates about race or anything in general since Joey was your teammate and Blan uh, Blaney was spotting for him? Yeah, not really. Um, you know, Joey came in and had a had a good sponsor, and obviously us being the the main Ford affiliated team, able to fuel the truck. Um, you know, Thor Sport made made obvious sense for for him to come to. So. Um, you know, obviously Joey, Joey's super smart as, uh, obviously a lot of talent, um, you know, two-time cup champion. Uh, so we were racing a little bit in the heat race and, uh, debriefed and stuff. And obviously he's, uh, really good at what he does and, uh, just came up a little bit short of him. Here's a question and, and Mark and I talked about it before we, uh, got on with you here, but should Bristol bring back dirt in the spring? Um, that's been a big discussion there. I am typically not a big dirt guy, but I will say it was pretty interesting this year, and I thought the racing was much better. It, it progressively has gotten better over the years. Yeah, I think as teams start to figure out the dirt stuff, you know, you get your truck, the trucks get better, and you know the field gets more competitive and closer as everybody migrates to the stuff that you need to have to to be good there. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the dirt stuff, but you know at the same time. Selfish, we run super, super good on the dirt. Thorpesport has a fantastic dirt package. I feel like the best, by far the best in the series right now, uh, especially at Bristol. So, selfishly, I'd like to come back um, just because we are so good, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not typically uh, too much of a dirt guy. Hey, then we, then we throw you in over at Martinsville, you know, and they put you on rain tires. Uh, how was that? You know, when they gave you an interview, you had this kind of look like we're actually going to do this. And uh, how was the feel of the rain tires, man? Was it good or what did you feel? Well, first of all, it's just it's stupid that we're literally racing in an oval, on, you know, in the rain. It's just dumb to me. Um, but the, the rain tire on a dry – because the racetrack was almost dry. Rain tire on a dry racetrack had great fall off. You could move around. Um, you could actually pass. It was actually doing everything a tire should do. Um, a lot like a lane model tire instead of these uh, chalky radial, ra radial Goodyears that we run, which are just at places like Martinsville, just terrible. There's no tire fall off. You can't pass. You saw it in the cup race. Just 
an absolute terrible race and i thought the rain tires made our race a little bit more interesting you could actually catch people and pass them and um it was a lot of fun um but we you know in my opinion we have no business being in the rain on wet tires around the oval Martinsville is always high up on your list being a short track, obviously, but the, the frustrating weather this year was uh, just that. It was frustrating, but you had a good day, uh, seventh in stage one, sixth in stage two, and fourth to finish it up. You're still top fiving uh, the field to death here, buddy. Yeah, it's uh, been a great stretch of races. Um, you know, there's a lot of wild cards early on in the season uh, with Daytona and Coda and Atlanta. Um, and then, of course, the dirt race, Martinsville, Texas, you go to all different types of racetracks early on in the year. Um, and it's, it's hard on these race teams. We don't have, you know, you're basically forced to build every type of truck that will run all year in, in, in the first, you know, s- you know, six races or so. So um, really hard on the teams having to build all those different trucks in a short amount of time. Um, but overall, we were able to put a really good stretch of races together. Uh, should have had a top 10 in, in uh, every single race this year so far. We just um, just top 10 squeak bias at, at Atlanta. Uh, we got in a wreck on that last lap. That, that costed us a top 10. But uh, overall, really good start to the season. Um, collecting stage points and all, but I think a couple stages this year. Um, and uh, and as you mentioned, I think we have five five top fives out of, out of 11, or uh, five top fives out of seven races so far. So, uh, just need to keep it going. We keep putting ourselves in position. Uh, one of these races, we'll, uh, we'll crack off a win. Hey, we have uh, Kansas up next there. You had a good run there last year, second in stage one, fourth in the second stage, and finished second there. Uh, I believe we were talking recently, and it sounds like you're really looking forward to getting to Kansas. Yeah, Kansas is going to be a good track for us. Um, you know, we really hit on a good package last year. Um, at Kansas, and we brought it, you know, tried to be better there the second time. Just misanticipated the track conditions a little bit, and uh, we took that truck and set up to Homestead uh, with some changes. If we were, you know, hypothetically speaking, if we were going to go back to Kansas a third time, those are the adjustments that we took to Homestead. Uh, of course, uh, dominated the, the second half of the race at Homestead, so uh, we're bringing that package to a team to, to Kansas. Uh, hey there. Oh. oh, you cut out there for a little bit, so sorry I got on you. Hey, uh, hey, after you get done with the Kansas race, you're going to do a red eye and then uh, head up to Madison with your super late. You practiced there last weekend. How did that all go about? How did that work for you? I thought we were pretty good. Um, you know, Madison's a tough racetrack, especially, um, you know, juggling two-barrel versus four-barrel. Uh, it sounds like the field is going to be pretty split on – uh, on that choice, so it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, you got stage racing and competition cautions. You got a lot of, you know, you're, we're not going to have the green flag racing that we're accustomed to seeing in the Midwest just because of the way the race is going to be formatted. So, uh, going to be a lot of short, you know, 30 to 40 lap spurts max, uh, just the way the race is laid out. So, um, just got to have a little bit different mindset knowing you are going to have those yellows and you pretty much know when you're going to get them. Uh, the way the race is laid out with the stages at 75 and 150 pretty much takes all the strategy out of the race. Everyone's just going to put their four tires on with 50 to go and 
Um, it's going to basically be a, a 50 lap dash to the end. So a little bit different format uh, than we're accustomed to seeing, but uh, it should create a little bit more excitement for everybody. Last year at Madison, you were running uh, pretty pretty good there and unfortunately had that incident. That was one of the biggest hits um, that we've seen in a while there. That was a good one for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one for sure. Uh, you know, just a uh, testament to Toby and, uh, and his chassis and how that thing held up. Um, that really could have destroyed a lot of other stuff. And um, it did its job. It um you know stayed strong and, and didn't bend where it needed to and uh at the same time the clip gave where it needed to to uh, absor absorb a lot of that energy and thankfully i was uh, i was able to walk away with uh no injuries i want to uh end with this because we were just talking and i was curious uh because the trucks don't race as much as xfinity and cup i just looked in and after kansas is run you're halfway uh, to the playoffs already uh, seems crazy that it's just flying by. Yeah, it goes quick. Uh, you know, we have five weeks in a row here. We go Kansas, Darlington, Wilkesboro, Charlotte, and then and then Gateway. So five really really good tracks for us. And after that, I think we only have maybe two or three of the playoffs. Maybe uh, Nashville, uh, Pocono, Richmond, and uh, I think Mid Ohio. So. Um, I guess nine more races to the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm going to go quick. These five, next five races are, uh, are really going to kind of set the stage on, um, you know, where we're going to be at headed into the playoffs, and hopefully we can crack off a couple of wins and uh, get some playoff points and some momentum rolling into uh, uh, the latter half of the year. I just okay, thought well, something oh, uh, else here, Ty. Um, I said I want to end on that. We were at the Milwaukee Mile recently for that uh, press conference. Um, you were there as well. Tell us uh, how big of a deal that was for you to be there with it being um, a big race, NASCAR coming back to Milwaukee Mile. And I want to say this before you answer. You know, I think back to Johnny Sauter when he won back there in the super late model. He won one of the first uh, races there. And he said, it's important for us to be here because this is our Daytona 500. Um, Talk about that experience and on how important it was to be there. Yeah, you know, anytime you can go to a, a racetrack like that, like Milwaukee in a, in a late model, uh, it's cool, right? We're obviously accustomed to running short tracks, half miles and under um, primarily. And uh, to go to a big track like that, it challenges the race teams to um, step out of their comfort zone a little bit. And you know, obviously going to a big track like that takes a little bit of a different mindset, uh, different package, different setup. Um, and I enjoy it. It's something that I've obviously learned a lot about, you know, running bigger racetracks. And uh, we've had a ton of success um, at Milwaukee since I've sort of learned a lot of the, the tricks and, and how to make your body better arrow-wise and how to come up with a faster setup uh, for a racetrack like that. So I've, I've enjoyed going to Milwaukee. I just I wish that I wish it would pay more going to a, a big a big track like that. You know, it's a lot of money for the race teams to you know, spend money on a different tire compound and uh, brace up their bodies and, you know, bring a different engine and carburetor. <laughs> it's all just different uh, for a big track like that. So um, hopefully they can get it to pay more. And if they do, hopefully we can uh, make our way there this year. Uh, but just to have Milwaukee on the truck schedule is really needed to be a part of the announcement uh, with their new title sponsor. Uh, it was really neat to, to be a part of that. And I'm glad they chose me to do it. 
it's uh, excited to have a, a true home state, hometown uh, race in the in the Craftsman Truck Series, and I uh, get to share a, a lot of that with my friends, family, and people who have helped me get to this point, and uh, we can go have fun on a, a Sunday afternoon in, in Milwaukee. I apologize. I did this to you one other podcast where I said I was going to end, and then I had two or three more questions. One more, I promise. Oh, <laughs> um, speaking of Milwaukee, any chance that you will be running in the ARCA Series race that's also going to be there and pulling double, double duty? Any chance of that? Yeah, I would say very little. Um, I just don't have any uh, connections, and, and Ford really doesn't have any roots um, into the uh, ARCA Series. so. Um, and, and Jack Bryant, which is the guy I would probably race for if I did something like that, is uh, pretty much out of the Arctic side. So um, I would say little to no chance of that, although it would be it'd be neat to do the double duty while I was there. But um, that's going to be a, a, a playoff race. Um, you know, the focus needs to be on uh, the truck series and making sure I got have the time to, to debrief with Joe after practice and qualifying and uh, make sure we uh, give our road ranger uh, Ford F-150, best run we can. Awesome stuff, man. Well, uh, like I said, we'll end it on that. Uh, we appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming back on, and we hope to uh, talk to you soon sometime after Kansas or in this the middle of this five-week stretch for you. Look forward to seeing you at Madison, too. Yeah, it should be uh, a good next couple of weeks with the, some late model races sprinkled around in uh, North Carolina with North Wilkesboro and uh, Hickory coming up, so a lot of, uh, a lot of exciting stuff stuff happening in the future yeah it's supposed to be hot in kansas so make sure you hydrate man it's gonna be a hot race down there so hey good luck man we'll see you in madison on sunday yeah thanks guys appreciate it mark it's always good to talk to ty um he had some interesting things to say there uh but boy his season like i said just and, and he said it before just top fiving him to death he had a great um couple of races and he's really really good at kansas he was good last year so uh could this be the week that he gets his first win of 2023 the wins are going to come man because the, the the vehicle the team is performing top end so we're just sitting back and waiting for a win he sure could use a few extra championship points you know um i think there's 15 points after the season after the regular seasons the point leader so we'll get 15 champions but Championship points, so it'd be, be really cool if he could tack on a, a two wins, huh? Get to five more points there. So, um, yeah, performing that way, um, they're uh, they're gonna get a victory here pretty soon. If I didn't already use him once, he he may have been my pick for this week, but because we can only pick drivers three times, I uh, didn't want to take him uh, again this early. I want to save him for later. But uh, yeah, he did. I finally broke your string at the Xfinity race, man. Barry finally came through for me, and he, and he beat the one car, you know, Mayor. So I, I, I was jumping up and down and got a PBR and got all excited, you know. So I, I broke I broke that long string, so I'm back I'm back in the game again. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into our, our picks right away then. Thanks to um, Ty for joining us and also Riley. Uh, great stuff there. We appreciate them so much. Um you go first for the truck series here. It's been a, uh, been a few weeks, but uh, your first pick for the truck series. And I should mention that Zane Smith is the defending winner uh, at Kansas in the spring. You know, once again, if Kyle Bush is in the field, you got to take Kyle Bush. 
Um, so, you know, he's only temporary and I'll save, save the other drivers for later in the championship season. So I will take Kyle Busch to take the truck race Saturday night. It's Saturday night this time at, uh, at Kansas. Well, like I just said, I wanted to take Ty probably here, um, or Zane Smith, but I've, uh, I've decided to go a little different. I wanted to save those two for later in the season. I'm going to go with Corey Heim. Um, he ran well there last year, obviously with a different team this year. So I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice with Corey Heim and hope he finishes in front of Kyle Busch. But that to me feels like uh, an uphill battle anytime with Kyle Busch is. That's nothing against Corey Heim, but it'll be hard to beat Kyle Busch. But Corey, Corey Heim has beaten Kyle Busch before, so it can happen for sure, man. Yep. Uh, for the Cup Series then, um, the defending winner is Kurt Busch, who's going to be in the booth this weekend, and Kurt does a fantastic job there. Uh, such a sad story that uh, he can't be in to, to defend his race win here, but uh, – it sounds like he's feeling better at least. So looking forward to seeing him in the booth on Sunday. Yeah. I haven't heard nothing about him, uh, uh, physically, mentally, uh, back together. So, but yeah, we enjoy him in the booth. So yeah, this last week I had, uh, I threw Chase Elliott out there and, um, just couldn't seem to get the car to turn and, uh, the car performed better as the race went on and then they over adjusted and went right back to being loose again. So your Chastain, beat him out so i was just glad that chastain didn't win so you get two points so i was happy to see truex at least pull that off so but uh this week uh it's at kansas and one guy that runs really well there and i'm gonna have to throw him at you i'm gonna give you a Chris, christopher bell man he sure knows how to get around kansas he's kind of pole and he's already won a stage last year too so i'll give you a big dose of bell how's that that's a good pick. Um, you know, speaking of Chastain, I was afraid that Larson uh, was going to get him back when he came back on the track. So I was happy that that didn't happen. Like, hold him up all you want, but uh, let me get that point here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for this week, I'm going to take a guy who we just spoke about, who's had some rough luck lately, but he's going to come on, and I think he's mad, and he's going to run super well this week. I'm going to take the aforementioned Kyle Larson. Yeah, that's that's the pick. He's he's had some pretty rough wrecks here. That Talladega one still is a is a, a dandy of of a hit, and so glad they all walked away from that one. So hey, that's a good pick by you. Uh, he runs good at Kansas, also. Yeah, it should be uh, an interesting weekend. Uh, let's recap it since we haven't recapped it a little bit. So I know you were on a, a rough streak there. Um, I'm a little worried that you're going to come back here because. I think I jumped out the first year you came back. You jumped out last year I came back, and I'm afraid that's going to happen again. I'm, I'm I'm just super worried about it, but it's all in fun. We do have it's something uh, on the line. But, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's what I do, buddy. It's what I do. I'm <laughs> going to try to chase you down here. So try to make some decent picks here, and we'll still got a long way to the season, man. We're only a third of the way in, not even. So, um, so we'll move on from there. Hey, uh, uh, looking at – Looking at Kansas, like I say, uh, the trucks are doing a complete Saturday show, so they're qualifying and they're racing that night. Um, they're talking AM showers down there, uh, and, but then they're saying a high of 90, <laughs> high of 90 in Kansas City this weekend, and so that'll throw some humidity, so that'll uh, the drivers will feel that. And then for Sunday, they're talking 89 with late-day thunderstorms down there, so 
hopefully they'll get the race in before the storms come in. But uh, hey, man, the heat, the heat in the Midwest is coming on here, so we'll, uh, we're getting into the summer, summer heat of racing. All right, let's do it. And then just to recap the points here, so you have six wins in the truck. I have four. You have seven in Xfinity. I have six. And in Cup Series, you have two. I have 12. So the total is 22 to 15. I also added in a few things here. Um, win totals. So you have three actual wins in trucks to my zero. You have two wins in the Xfinity Series to my one. And you have zero in the Cup to my three. So you have five wins total to my four. And then uh, in the Truck Series, I also did average finish. So, uh, trucks, you have an average finish of your drivers, 7.86 to my 7.71. So, I'm 15 hundredths better than you. Um, not much at all. In Xfinity, you have an average finish of 7th. I have 11.5, so you're better by 4.5 there. And then in Cup, this is where it's yeah. interesting to me because I was this way in Cup last year. Um, and you were doing what I was doing last year in Cup, just dominating that. You have an average finish of 19.82 to my 7.45. Your average over the three series is 11.56, and mine is 8.89. 12 races. I've only picked one top five in the Cup, and I have two a total of two top tens, and it's just been – Whoever I'm picking for the cup, I'm destroying their Sundays. So <laughs> it's uh, it's got to come around. So good luck to uh, Christopher Bell this weekend. Uh, I uh, sorry I picked you, you know, but we'll <laughs> we'll see. It's got to turn around somehow, man. It's it's gonna. I know you keep talking that, and the thing I keep telling you is a, I'm not gonna gloat, and b, uh, it's a we got a long way to go here. We we sure do so, but. Uh, um, hey, and, and I was looking, you know, for Kansas to get that. And then how about Madison this weekend? You see yes. that lineup? I think we're up to 41 cars now that have come there and they're going to start, what, 24? So there's going to be a whole bunch of good cars that are going to go home on Sunday, man. It is going to be awesome. I know you talked about really looking at the list. I was curious, too. Uh, the list looks awesome. Uh, so... Looking forward to that Sunday, man, getting it started. This will be the start of the busy season because you got Madison this weekend with the ASA National Tour. Next, The next Saturday, the 13th, you got the Tundra Super Late Models opening their season at WIR. And the following Thursday, the 18th, starts weekly at uh, Wisconsin International Raceway as well. So uh, we talked about it. We said we we're in the thick of it, but this is really kind of the start of the busy, busy season here. There's one thing, you know, last year when we went to Berlin and we went to the, the Money in the Bank race over there in August, and during that race, they would only have like 40, 45 lab green flag race, uh, green flags to put a competition caution out. And that's going to be the same format here in Madison. And um, it's going to be interesting what the fans are going to say about what they, what they see this weekend. I'll be talking to the fans and seeing what, what do they think about this format. Um, when I was at Berlin last year, the leader couldn't even get to the uh, 40, 40 laps. He'd never even come and uh, lap the back of the field. By the time he got to the back of the field, the caution came back out. So um, it's going to be a different kind of style of racing. We're uh, 
we're going to have to see how it works out and uh, and see what the fans got to say about it. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And Ty alluded to that a little bit too, um, saying that they're uh, – I'm going to wait and see. Let's wait and see. And that's it. If that's there it. Is a, it's a hell of a driver's list, so I'm expecting a good day regardless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go get lobster. Hey, I, I plan on getting some sun. Huh? Let's get some sun and uh, – uh, looks like seventies from now on for the next week. I'm, I'm camp <laughs> one week. I'm we're in the man cave doing a podcast. And now here I'm at a state park uh, picnic table out west of Madison right now. So all over the place, but we're still talking racing and looking forward to it. And then, you know, next week, the tundra races at Kakana and the opener at golden sands and, and, uh, Hey, and with mother's day too. So that's always exciting also. So a lot of good things coming up, man. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Um, like I said, busy, busy. Uh, here we go. So, uh, well, thanks again to Riley for Riley Stengem for coming on, Ty for coming on there, Mark, you for joining me from uh, camp in there. I appreciate it. And uh, hey, we're gonna have a lot of fun coming up here. Uh, thanks again, buddy. And uh, hey, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, we'll see you at the track, man. We'll see you in Madison. See you there. This has been a production of Lore Sports. Hope you all enjoyed it and thank you for listening.